Well, we are talking about raising up the next generation today, and really both your pastors should be an authority on this. Between us, we have nine kids. I have four. Chuck has five, which means he's this much crazier than I am. And to get into uh, God's Word today, I want to turn way back in the Bible to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24. It reads, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. This is God's word. And the context is really the, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, the story of the forefathers of the faith, uh, Abraham and such. And then the next four books, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which are the story of Moses getting the people out of Egypt. But Moses didn't get the, to take the people into the promised land. He got them out of Egypt, but that generation was not allowed to go into the promised land. That fell to Joshua. Joshua, who's the new leader of God's people, and he's going to lead them in. But he called on the people to put down their idols. Like, if you're going to take this great gift that the real God is going to give you, then you need to get rid of your idolatry. You need to get rid of any kind of pretend religion and really follow the Lord. And he said, this is not just for me. This is for me and my entire household. So from the very beginning of the Jewish faith, the covenant people of God's people, from the very beginning, there was always a multi-generational approach to the faith. It always included a multi-generational approach. However, passing on faith broke down even after that generation died. They all stood up with Joshua and said, we're going to serve the Lord with our families. But just a generation later, somehow the faith died. Somewhere along the line, the parents forgot to instruct their children or failed to instruct their children and the larger spiritual community just failed to honor God. So the next book of the Bible in Judges, it says this in chapter 2. It says that after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. One generation, that's all it takes to lose the faith, is one generation. And the book of Judges is really a, a, a book that's got a lot of violence. It's a book about getting the people to actually believe in justice at all. I mean, everything, the wheels had completely fallen off the cart. 
And this is not just choosing a different belief than your parents. This is not like having a different idea about religion at all. Choosing Baal worship is literally choosing a way of worship that endorses child sacrifice. This is a big leap away from God. Child sacrifice. Today we're talking about the next generation, and they were literally willing to sacrifice the next generation. For the Jewish people, the faith of the next generation literally impacted the lives of the next, next generation. And we know that the passing on of our faith has to continue to be refreshed each generation. Each generation. Take England, for example. I studied in England at Cambridge University, and I saw this for myself. But over the last 20 years, the situation has gotten far, far worse. In England, only 4% of the population regularly attends church. 4%. And that's any kind of church. Church of England, Pentecostal, Catholic, snake-charming church, any kind of church. Only 4% of the population regularly attends. A generation ago, it was double that. So when I was in England, it was double that. And I tell you what, the churches were empty. I once went on a Christmas day to preach at a Lutheran church in England in downtown London, and when I was there, there were 11 people there, and they were all elderly old women. No younger generation, no men at all, no young men at all, except for me. And just looking at that situation, it made me think about our country, because I had noticed the decline from even my youth to the time that I became an adult. So, 1% of the population right now in England actually worships regularly at a Church of England church. 1% or about 600,000 people. Later on, somebody invented a new religion called the Jedi census phenomenon. 390,000 people signed the petition to make it a real religion. So literally, the religion of being a Jedi is catching up to people who are willing to follow and and worship in a Church of England church. What happens over there seems to eventually make its way here, which is why I want to talk about it. Now, one group not declining but actually growing in the UK are Pentecostals. They seem to have a good idea on how to pass on the faith to the next generation. And they believe in the power of God. A lot of churches in the UK, they have food banks and shelters. They're good at being nice to people, yet no one seems to go to church. They're kind to so many people. They feed so many people, but nobody goes to church. And I wondered why that was. I think it's because they're focused on doing good things instead of doing God things. And we need to do both. The church needs both. We need to do good, but we also need to do God things. Uh, When your teachings on miracles just become moralisms, when you take Jesus' words and just make them into moralisms, it's kind of like you left the stone in front of the tomb and you didn't let the power of the resurrection happen. 
But Pentecostals in the UK, they believe in the power of God. Now, I'm not suggesting that Messiah become a Pentecostal church. Now, Lutheran doctrine suits me just fine. But we do need the fervor of the first Pentecost. That's what we can learn. Each generation, each generation must be taught who God is and what God has done for them. This has always been the hallmark of the Jewish faith. They told the story of the Exodus and how God led them out of Egypt and away from the power of Pharaoh, out of slavery. They need to know what God has done for them. Now, I said what happens in Europe eventually makes its way west to America. When I was a kid, over half of Americans worshipped weekly. And now that number is down to 31%. And it wasn't that long ago. 31% of all Americans. And at Messiah, if I'm being honest, our average attendance, and I mean in person and online, but our average attendance is about 31% of our membership. We need to do better. And what our kids see is a disconnect between what we say God is my savior, Jesus loves me, and what we do, I'll just go when I feel like it. When there's a disconnect between what we say we believe and how we practice our belief, our kids notice. The next generation notices when your Christian life matches your Christian belief. Let's say it another way. Let's say it another way. My kids know when my Christian life matches my Christian belief. Will you say this with me? My kids know when my Christian life matches my Christian belief. They also notice when it doesn't. They notice when there's a disconnect. See, back about a year ago, we did a series on our values here at Messiah. And we said these five core values are so important to who we are, and they're going to define every decision that we make. We believe that found people find people, that Christians are meant to go and share the good news of Jesus with the lost so that no one should be lost. We believe that saved people serve people, that as Christian people, it is up for us to pick up our cross and to bear it, for us to sacrifice first first for the sake of others, that we want to be known in our community, not just for what we say we believe, but what we do for our community. We said that faith and real life need to intersect, that what we talk about on Sundays and what we talk about in the world always involves real life and faith coming together. We said that life is better connected. This is about our relationships. This is about our community. This is about people's prayers being known and people praying for them. This is about our community group's ministry. This is about our next generation ministries. This is connecting people together so that they can grow in their faith and become better disciples of Jesus. And we said the faith of the next generation matters now. If it doesn't matter now, it won't happen later. The faith of the next generation. See, God's people need to be always thinking about their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids. And it takes a multi-generational approach to make a next generation investment. See, healthy churches have all the generations together. 
They don't segment themselves. When I talk to uh, older Christians, I remind them that young people today are battling some big things. There's a lot going on. They need help solving their current problems through a Christian lens. They need to know that the power of God matters in their life. And so we want to work on ways to be creative about walking through the stuff they're going through. Things like depression, addiction, bullying, isolation, fears about their future, fears about their identity, their self-worth, the shame. When we could do that, we're showing them that the faith of the next generation, it matters now. Or to say it another way, when you plant trees, you offer future shade. Planting trees is future shade, and that's what we're doing, an investment for the future of the church. I believe that Messiah School, Messiah Lutheran School, is planting future shade. They are planting future shade. If you're looking for a Christian high school, by the way, Lutheran High School of St. Charles is also planting future shade. Messiah is a part of the association of churches that helped found that school and that currently serves at their school. In fact, I'm going to be speaking at a Lutheran High Chapel coming up pretty soon, and I'm going to be making fun of my daughter there in chapel. She's a senior. She's going to be graduating. This is my last chance to really get at her. I cannot wait. It's going to be so exciting. Chuck does that. I do that. Ryan Fendler does that. Other people on our staff, we go there and we serve at Lutheran High because it's a part of our ministry. And we believe in planting this future shade for the next generations. Now, there's a lot of schools that can give a kid a good education. We have a school here at Messiah that can raise up future Christian leaders. Not just a good education, but future Christian leaders. My wife teaches in our school. Chuck's wife teaches in our school. That's how much we believe in it. Our kids have gone to this school. We believe in this school. Not because public school is bad. I want the public school. But at Messiah, we're smaller. We can pivot fast when we need to be. We can keep our school open. Our teachers have a passion and love for Jesus and for kids. We believe in good education and Jesus. That's what raises up the next generation. And let me tell you something about our principal, Joni Smith. Joni Smith has committed the last 30 years of her life to Lutheran education. She has two master's degrees. She has the biggest smile in this building. I mean, what she's doing in the school, what our teachers are able to do at the school is truly phenomenal. If you have any interest at all, go online, check us out. We'll give you a tour. We'll show you around. If no one's available, I'll give you a tour. I really believe in this place. Meet the staff. Meet our students. You'll be blown away. And enrollment is open right now, and it is filling up fast. When I talk about next generation ministry, I'm talking about our school, but I also want to talk about our kids' ministry and our student ministry. We believe in both of these environments, that we're creating environments where kids thrive, where we offer age-appropriate teaching about things that they're currently going through and things that God wants to speak into each of them. And at Messiah, we ask this question often, what is the faith of the next generation worth? We say it's worth everything. 
When I first met Hannah Lang to interview her for our children's ministry position, I found out that her pastor is one of my friends, which made it really awkward because soon we were going to be fighting over her to see who gets to have her in our ministries. Uh, pastor Dan worked with me at Cross Point Lutheran Church in Houston when I first became a pastor. And the, the good news is I knew that she had a great missional mentor at the church where she was because I knew Dan. And Dan really knew student ministry, and I knew that she was going to be doing kids' ministry at the highest level. The bad news is that he and I were going to have to fight over her. And Dan really knows Next Generation Ministry. Back in 2003, he was our director of student ministry at Cross Point. And over the next couple of years, our church doubled in size, from 500 people attending to 1,000 people plus attending in just two years. We had 1,000 people a Sunday, and the church was barely six years old. We had 250 little kids, preschool and elementary, every single Sunday. It was a huge children's ministry. And then our teenage ministry started to grow under Dan's leadership, and it grew so fast that I was asked to spend 20 hours a week, besides being a teaching pastor, 20 hours a week helping him out in student ministry. We had 80 teens every Wednesday for youth night, and that number started to go up and up and up. And so we started a youth worship service on Sundays. So we had adult worship in one room, and we had student worship in another room. And two years later, Dan decided to become a pastor, and so he went to seminary here in St. Louis to train to be a pastor. And I'm, I'm there alone, working in our student ministry on 20 hours a week, and suddenly we had 235 teens every Sunday. And 235 teens every Wednesday night for youth night. And that's 250 little kids and 235 older kids. How do we do it? Well, the Holy Spirit did that. That's true. It's, I mean, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we did it like this. We created environments where teens, both believers and non-believing teens, we created environments where teens can connect to each other and connect to God. We created environments teens love to attend. That teens love to attend. And they did. A lot of them. We became the largest youth ministry in the Lutheran church. There's another church that was up north that had 9,000 members. But it didn't have 235 teens on Sunday mornings. It didn't have as many teens as us. A church plant that was only six or seven years old at this point. We put our money where our mouth was. And the Lord answered. And if you want to walk the talk, you have to raise up the next generation. Now, raise up is obviously an idiom. Sometimes what, we know what an idiom means, but we don't know where it comes from. Like, for example, uh, let one's hair down. Let one's hair down, it means to relax, but do you know where it comes from? The origin goes back to medieval times. Aristocratic women, when they were in public, were required to come out with fancy hairdos. The only time they were allowed to let their hair down was when they were home and they were relaxing. You've heard the idiom, go the whole nine yards, which means try your best. Now, this is not a 
football reference, like go the whole nine yards, but you didn't quite get the first down. There's nothing to do with that. The origin's World War II. The fighter pilots were equipped with nine yards of ammunition. And so they were trying their best when they would go through all the ammunition they had. Or the idiom, turn a blind eye, which means to ignore the facts when you turn a blind eye. The origin was a British naval hero, Admiral Nelson. He had one blind eye. Once when he was being signaled to stop an attack on Danish ships, he held up his telescope to his blind eye. And he said he couldn't see the signal. And he blew them out of the water. Or the idiom, butter someone up, which of course means to to flatter them. Uh, The origin is ancient India. They would actually throw butter balls at the statues of the gods because it was so valuable. Now, the Bible has tons of idioms as well, like the idiom, by the skin of my teeth. Did you know that came from the Bible? It's in the book of Job. By the skin of my teeth means you barely escaped. See, Job says this when he's undergoing extreme suffering. He's got boils all over his body. He says that he survived by the skin of his teeth. Theologian Charles Spurgeon said that while the teeth don't have skin, that probably means that basically Job's got nothing left of him. Like all he's got is the skin of his teeth because teeth don't have skin. When we talk about raising up the next generation, to raise up someone means to elevate their position or to improve someone's position. For too long, the church's response to young people was, hey, sit in the back and be quiet. In fact, being a good church kid meant that you were quiet and you were still in church. Now, I was never very good at that. I don't think I'm very good at it even as an adult. So to raise up means we want to see them grow and mature into leaders. To grow and to mature. And you don't get that by sitting back and being still and being quiet. You get that when somebody disciples you. You grow and mature into a leader when somebody disciples you. How did Jesus disciple people? Well, Jesus said, come and follow me. And he would invite his followers to watch him do the ministry. And then he would invite his followers to help him as he did the ministry. And then he would have them start doing the ministry, and he would help them do the ministry. Until eventually they were doing the ministry themselves, and they were raising up other people. They were discipling other people alongside them too. Jesus was a master at turning followers into leaders. Young people, they don't want to go to a meeting. Young people want to be a part of a movement. They want to make a difference. They want there to be a purpose for their faith. And thank God for that. Like for too long, the church has been known for what it's against. All talk, no action. And young people don't want to be a part of that. And for too long, the church was answering questions that no one's asking. If we don't give young people a movement that's worth something, they will find a movement that's worth nothing. And we see that all the time. They want to make a difference. And there's a lot of causes that are promising to make a difference. 
But just like the Jewish people and judges, sometimes ideology becomes idolatry. In fact, any human ideology, to some degree, has idolatry in it. And as Christian people, we're called above that, above the ideologies of this world, the idolatries of this world. We serve a God that believes that every person in this world is his child. And some of them are found, and some of them are lost. But every child in this world is his child, no matter the color of their skin, no matter where they're from. Everyone is his precious son. Everyone is his precious daughter. And a lot of us are lost. And our God did something about it. In fact, he loved us so much that he sent his only son to redeem us. To bring me back into his family, making me a son again. To bring you into his family, making you a daughter of God again. And when you're trapped in a sin, and it's embarrassing and it's shaming, we have a God that's ready to forgive you. In fact, from the moment that Jesus was on his cross, that forgiveness was already won. He's speaking it from the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And think about it like this. When a doctor brings you the worst news, for example, that your loved one died, when a doctor brings you the worst news, and I'm thinking about Ken Bennett right now, his family. He just lost his dad. At that same moment, you receive your worst news. God is giving you the best news. Today, they will be with me in paradise. You hear the worst news, but you receive the best news. You're planning a funeral Charlie Bennett is planning a party, Ken. We plan funerals, and God is preparing parties. And the last time Jesus was at a party, water was changing into wine. So I have a feeling that Charlie Bennett's Jesus party is going to be an awesome party. See, the Jesus movement brings promise and love to our world. And of course, young people want to be a part of that. Who wouldn't? C.S. Lewis said that Christianity, if it's false, it's of no importance. And if it's true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And one thing that is really important around here has been finding our next director of children's ministry. And we did. Hannah Lang, would you come on down? You are the next contestant on The Price is Right. Well, maybe not The Price is Right, but you. would you, Hannah, would you introduce yourself, yeah. your family, and then also why you are passionate, why you've invested your life 
in the future of the church, the next generation. All right. Well, the dangerous part is I love to talk, and you just gave me a microphone and a camera, so I could be here for a while. <laughs> um, but good morning, Messiah. My name is Hannah Lang. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Um, I agree that there feels to be just some extra joy here this morning. Um, my husband, Kyle, is here too. He's in the back with my son, River. River is seven months old. Um, we're so thrilled to be here, to be making Messiah our home. And um, I am passionate about children's ministry because I love Jesus and I love kids. And so the fact that I get to help them understand how big his love is for them means I have the best job in the world, best job in the world. Um, kids are important to me and they should be important to Messiah because they're important to God. We see how much Jesus showed his love for children when he was walking this earth. And so the fact that we get to partner with families to help impact their faith and their character for the next generation means that uh, we have such a privilege of speaking into that. Um, I'm passionate about children's ministry too because children's ministry can change the world. Do you know yeah. that? It can change the world because when you impact a child, you impact their family. And when you impact families for Jesus, you impact the community. And so we are really world changers in Kidsmen um, because when a child understands how deeply God loves them, when they go through life, they have something to hold on to. I'm all for memorizing Bible verses, but I'm more excited about having a kid who has a relationship with Jesus, who knows where to go to for truth, where to go to for love. He, uh, children that know how to go to the Bible for truth. And so I'm really passionate about the fun things we get to do in kids' men, like cuddling babies in the nursery or playing with glitter or Play-Doh or jokes or boogers. It's just kind of a fact of children's ministry. But um, the cool part is children's ministry is also family ministry. So I'm also really passionate about family ministry. Um, children's ministry is also ministry to parents and to people who are raising kids. And when the church and families can partner together, we can make a really great impact on the faith of the next generation. Isn't she awesome? And you're really going to want to get to know Hannah and Kyle. I was helping them move in yesterday to the townhome where they're going to be temporarily. And Kyle had this giant beer fridge. He's a home brewer. So I, I know, I know. And, and <laughs> yeah. Chuck is clapping. Well, at that, uh, we're going to install Hannah at our next service. But at this service, I wanted to call up our next generation team so that they can uh, lay hands on her and bless her at this service as well. So would you welcome up Joni Smith, our principal, Ryan Fendler, our student ministry director, and Pastor Schlee, who is our do-everythinger. Is that a word? Yeah, let's make it one. You can clap for them, too. I like them. All right. If y'all want to lay a hand on her, and if you want to pass that mic over to Ryan, that'd be great. Thank you. Sure. Hannah, I want to speak this scripture over you from Psalm 145. Great is the Lord. He's most, most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. All right, thank you. I went old school and have it printed on paper. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Hannah, I chose this one. This one is part of our school theme verse, and I thought it was very appropriate. Um, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then typically we follow up with, let's do this. <laughs> all right, and uh, my blessing for you is Joshua 22.5. Love the Lord and follow his plan for your life. Cling to him and serve him enthusiastically. Amen. Let's pray over her. Uh, gracious God, we thank you for placing this faithful woman into ministry in your church. Would you bless Hannah and her family as they transition to life and ministry here at Messiah? May we work together to raise a new and powerful generation of Christian leaders here for St. Charles County and beyond. Amen. Amen. All right, God bless you.